Good morning, and welcome to your Tech 5 Coffee Break with Ben Harrison. We live in a rapidly changing and confusing world of technology and media reporting that affects all of us, both today and will farly into the future. So each weekday morning, we try to look behind the news to give you a brief snapshot of the events and trends that matter, where they originated and where they're taking us. During the last couple of years, throughout the COVID pandemic, we've heard of numerous ways to avoid becoming contaminated with the virus, or for that matter, other diseases. Apart from avoiding crowded places, the most significant advice and requirements included wearing a face mask. We know that hygiene and sanitation are essential for disease control and keeping people safe. But it wasn't quite like that throughout much of our history. Sanitation activities have been virtually non-existent. The history of sanitation goes back at least 7,000 years to the Babylonians, the Egyptians, and the Greeks, and the Romans. 7,000 years ago, Babylonians learned that polluted water could cause disease, and every day they took in fresh water. 2,000 years ago, Hippocrates found that washing could eliminate infection. The Roman Empire made significant strides in the direction of sanitation. They established aqueducts for the supply of fresh water and constructed sewage networks and public baths. But unfortunately, much of the wisdom that the Romans had found was lost, and they did not pass on following the collapse of the Roman Empire. Medieval times were also the Dark Ages with respect to hygiene. Towns were polluted and chaotic, and illnesses and epidemics spread rapidly due to lack of sanitation. Water was filthy and personal health was practically unknown. Tuberculosis, cholera, diphtheria, smallpox, yellow fever, it was all widespread. As many children died as lived and the total life expectancy was less than 30 years. The greatest plague was the Black Death from 1438 to 1441, which killed over 60 million, or one quarter of the world's population. This extract from a satirical article which appeared in Le Figaro in 1880 captured something of the disgust the citizens of Paris must have felt for the state of their streets at that time. And I quote, in every street, the pipes gushed out where decaying rat carcasses drank everything in, tails dangling and whiskers bristling with greenish lumps, bellies in the air. They floated amid apple peels, asparagus stalks, and cabbage cores. It was like a vast infection of tooth decay, like the fatulence of a rotting stomach, like the emanations of a man who has drunk too much, like the dried sweat of rotting animals, like the sour poison of a bedpan. This avalanche of excretions tumbling down the length of the purulent streets let off its nocturnal fragrances. End quote. Also in the 19th century, in New York City, the living conditions were as grim as they were in the Middle Ages and Europe, with epidemics spreading throughout the population. The estimated life expectancy was less than 40 years of age but it was found that developing soaps, disinfectants, and pharmaceuticals could be influential in managing the diseases. A significant sanitation movement was started in public health activities such as waste disposal, sewage management, environmental health facilities, and laws, and daily bathing became part of society. The mortality risk of children declined, 
and the overall life expectancy rose over the years to 74. Recently, I was reading an article by Melinda Wenner-Moyer, a science journalist and author based in the Hudson Valley of New York. She's a contributing editor at Scientific American. Linda's mother imprinted the importance of germ control very early in her mind and belief. Every evening, her mother sprayed the kitchen sink and counters with isopropyl alcohol to disinfect them. Bacteria was her nemesis, and Linda, by her own admission, grew up to be a germaphobe. And, as an adult, kept a variety of antimicrobial wipes in the basement, have at least seven bottles of hand sanitizer stashed around her house and car, and kept an emergency bag tucked away in her closet stuffed with bleach wipes and other strong disaffecting paraphernalia, should the dreaded stomach bug strike her household. Today, because of COVID, she's not alone in her germ paranoia. In a 2021 survey of U.S. adults, 42% of respondents said they now identified as germaphobes. However, when she interviewed chemists and cleaning experts, and in the process learned that many popular cleaning practices weren't effective, and some were just unnecessary, viruses and bacteria are not necessarily bad, like those in our gut that help us digest food and build our immunity. And microbes are deleted everywhere, according to Erica Hartman, an environmental engineer at Northwestern University stating that research suggests that children who grow up on farms surrounded by microbes have a lower risk of developing asthma and allergies than other kids. There's a scientific difference between cleaning and disinfecting. Cleaning removes things, dirt, crumbs, germs, dog hair, from surfaces. Disinfecting, on the other hand, kills things, typically viruses and bacteria. Cleaning is something we may want to do regularly, but we need to kill through disinfecting only dangerous disease-causing germs. For example, you probably don't need to disinfect your kitchen counters every day unless you've handled raw meat. And you also don't need to disinfect your bathroom unless someone in your home has an infection that spreads through stools, like salmonella or norovirus. For standard messes, like spilled maple syrup on the kitchen table, you don't need to reach for a disinfectant wipe when soap and water will remove the sticky residue just fine. There are long-term risks associated with the overuse of certain disinfectants, such as uh, quaternary um, um, ammonium compounds, which are found in many popular household cleaning products, including sprays and wipes made by Lysol and Clorox, which may increase the risk of antibiotic resistance and some disinfectants like bleach, ammonia, and quartz release fumes that can themselves be harmful. Plain soap and water can kill germs when lathered. If you're using a disinfectant that releases fumes such as a bleach or ammonia, ventilate the area first by opening doors or windows or wear a disposable face mask and throw it away afterwards. Most people are probably disinfecting all wrong by spraying or spreading disinfectants on a surface and then immediately wiping the cleaner off with a paper towel or sponge, which this removes the chemical before it's had a chance to disinfect. Alcohol-based solutions don't need to be wiped at all since they eventually evaporate. 
Wondering about other disinfectant options? Well, here's some more information. You can make disinfectants at home to save money for a disinfecting bleach solution. Mix one-third of a cup of household bleach with a gallon of water. However, having said that, bleach breaks down rapidly in water, so you'll need to make a new solution every day. Sprays containing 70% ethanol or isopropyl alcohol and 30% water are also very effective. You can also make or buy plant-based disinfectants, but note that botanical disinfectants may not work as quickly or thoroughly as bleach or alcohol. Household vinegar, for instance, is a popular botanical disinfectant, but it's not nearly as effective at killing germs as bleach or alcohol. Now, I could go on and on about uh, the advantages and the disadvantages of certain disinfectants, but read the instructions and use common sense. You've been listening to Tech 5 with Ben Harrison from Muskoka's only non-profit radio station, Hunters Bay Radio 88.7. FM.